0: The intersection of music and tech is more than a crossroads. It's a launchpad. I'm Jeff Yasuda, CEO at Feed Media Group, and this is Voices Behind the Music. Today, I'm here with Roniel Rumberg, CEO and co-founder of Audius. Audius is a decentralized music streaming platform enabling artists to build a fan base, distribute their music, and monetize it via its native cryptocurrency, Audio. As of December of last year, it had almost 6 million monthly uniques and over 100,000 artists using the platform. Prior to founding Audios, roniel was an engineering partner at Kleiner Perkins Edge, a seed stage investment fund. And prior to that, he held various roles as a software engineer before founding Backslash, a peer-to-peer Bitcoin payment company. Back in 2013, while at Stanford, Ronil explored the massive opportunities around digital currencies. He then met the Audius co-founder, Forrest Browning, and they hatched the idea around creating a decentralized streaming platform around a community-operated version of SoundCloud. Now, the tech wasn't ready quite yet. In fact, Web3 wasn't even a coined term at that moment as it was first uttered a year later by Ethereum co-founder Gavin Wood in 2014, but the seeds were planted for Ronil and forced to launch the concept for Audius in 2018. I am super, super excited to hear more how Audius is challenging traditional streaming platforms like Spotify and Apple with its approach. Ronil, welcome to Voices Behind the Music.
1: Thank you so much for having me, and what an incredible introduction. Fantastic.
0: So for starters, Ronil, tell us about Audius and what prompted you to start the company.
1: Yeah, I think you you kind of summarized things pretty nicely there. Audius is a music discovery and community platform that connects artists and fans directly. We really see that direct piece being the key differentiator here between Audius and a lot of the other mm-hmm music distribution tools that exist. And the way we achieve that is by being fully decentralized. So there's a network of node operators, artists, and fans that together actually cooperatively run this streaming ecosystem for the benefit of the people using it. I think the biggest difference really between Audius and like Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, the traditional DSPs as we talk about them really is in that engagement model between artist and fan. When an artist is sharing content on one of those DSPs, they're giving it to a distributor who's then putting it into the service. When the service is paying out revenue, it pays it to uh, either Right Society or the distributor who then pays it to the artist. In the case of Audius, it is completely direct. When a user consumes a monetized offering from an artist, that money goes directly to them in real time. Going a step further than that, it's all the data and kind of understanding of That fan base, you know, who are these people? Where are they? How did they find your music? How much are they engaging with it? All of these sorts of questions. And from that, the ability to leverage that information to do things like sell digital merchandise and and other things directly to those fans. From a user experience perspective, Audius is much more similar to like a SoundCloud. I think, you know, we can coexist with Spotify's and the Apple musics and whatnot of the world in the same way that like YouTube and Netflix can coexist on the video side of the kind of media distribution ecosystem.
0: Sure, and it sounds like you can also coexist with the labels and the publishers. In some ways, I imagine if an artist achieves a certain degree of success on your platform, there's potentially an opportunity to go up market or upstream, if you will, to a label or publisher that obviously has their baked in distribution and marketing mechanisms already in place.
1: That's exactly right. It's one of the coolest things to see over the past two years that the product has been live. A&R folks at some of the major labels and at some independent labels as well have actually been mining audience for kind of up and coming talent, trying to capture people that are you know on the cusp of breaking out or maybe have broken out, but before others have realized. So you're absolutely right. And then on on the flip side of that too, there's uh, there are mechanisms available for signed artists to be able to engage on
0: audience as well. So long as they can get approval from the right parties on their end. Got it. Got it. So if we could take a deeper dive into that. So let's say I'm an artist. I have a recording. I want to distribute it. I want to monetize it and take control. I imagine. This is a scenario where I own all the publishing as well. I own the sound recording. I imagine that if I'm working with a PRO, that's potentially okay. I I don't know, but if you could really break it down, I show up to your website, to your product, then what?
1: Yeah, quickly on the PRO bit. So you would as the artist be responsible for notifying the PRO that collection is not going to happen around this specific content flow goes direct to you as a creator?
0: So a PRO is a performing rights organization that handles the publishing side of the equation. There are two copyright owners in music. One are the owners of the master recordings, which are typically the labels. And the other is the publishing, which is really on behalf of the songwriters. So the PROs work on behalf of songwriters and publishing companies to collect what's known as performance royalties.
1: Yeah, so that complicating bit aside, so you're the artist, you show up to Audius and let's say for simplicity's sake, you don't have a uh, kind of a PRO setup or, or deal in place. There's just an upload button. You can click upload content, drag in what you have, put in some metadata and click share and that's now available on the Audius network. Uh, that's not monetized by default though, that's just free. If you want to uh, start to monetize content on Audius, you can flip the switch to either mark that content as monetized, or you can uh, gate access to it based on some set of inputs that you define.
0: So how does an artist monetize?
1: There are two ways today. So one is through the ongoing distribution of these uh, Audius tokens. So there's on a uh, recurring basis, there are tokens distributed to users of the Audius network based on where their relative usage has has been. So let's say you and I are the only two people using Audius. My content is listened to like once and yours is twice. In that round of, of rewards, you would earn two thirds of the rewards and I would earn one third of the reward. Scaling that up to all the users and, and whatnot, there's a fixed supply of tokens being distributed on a recurring okay. basis. Those tokens can be earned based on how much engagement your content is driving, if you're running a playlist, how much your playlist is being curated, if you're running nodes on the network, how much people are utilizing your node. There are all these kind of different ways that you can earn your way into a share of that earnings. Uh, so that's kind of side number one. Number two is the direct user engagement. So if you as the artist or specifically charging users to do things around your content, you can earn revenue from that. The vast majority of users on Audius and, and usage on Audius has actually just been free so far. I think there's a kind of mentality generally in, in our community that a fan on an audience will be worth more over time than a fan on other platforms. So I, I think for better or for worse, there's this a land grab mentality among artists that the more fans I can aggregate today, the more valuable that fan base will,
0: will be. Sure. And um, that makes sense. I think what would be interesting is to understand a little bit if an artist is selling merch... I understand that there's a fixed or potentially limited supply of the tokens, but let's say I earn those tokens as an artist. How do I actually convert that into a currency like a US dollar? How do I go through that process or can I?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, there are kind of various ways to do that. If the artist chooses to the tokens designed to be used within the network. So if you come back and and stake the tokens you've received and and do things with them. That's a predominant use case, but it's a permissionless, openly available Ethereum based token. So there are kind of, yeah, there are places where that is available.
0: Got it. Got it. Very cool. And are you a musician? Are you a part of it is I just want to understand the founder story. How did you create or how did you come up? And I, I did touch upon it earlier when you met your co-founder Forrest at Stanford, but what was kind of your manifesto or thinking behind creating Audius? Uh, I was a
1: musician in a past life, but not a very good one. I was a drummer for a number of years. and Oh, cool. Uh, Destroyed my hearing a bit along the way, so I I talk a little bit louder now, but it's fine. Uh, And uh, that was in in middle school and high school, and ended up uh, I I had two sort of competing interests, which it's been really fun to get to bring those two worlds back together in my work at Audius. But yeah, I was very into music, and especially at that time, this was in in the mid two thousands, post hardcore, and that sub genre of I don't know what you'd even call them. Punk. Punk, punk, probably. yeah, Yeah, yeah. That music was so technically interesting on the drum side that that's what I really enjoyed playing, really enjoyed learning, going to those shows and being in that community. But I also really loved making software and building things and seeing people use that, right? Not physical things, but like software things. Certainly society pushes you more towards one of those than the others. And, and uh, my parents certainly did as well. Right, So I ended up spending a lot more time making software and lost interest in playing music. Now, I stayed close to music as a fan somewhere along the way, became a bigger fan of dance music as well. But I ended up in my uh, kind of friend group with Forrest, my co founder, Audius, and a number of others were very into dance music and going out to dance shows and have some friends that were either trying to be producers or were uh, slowly making it as producers of, of dance music. That was where we started to notice these problems that SoundCloud was having. It was, Got it. Folks felt just kind of completely disenfranchised in these decisions that SoundCloud was making with respect to how discovery works, how curation works, how the community is treated. And and there was this exodus of users starting from around 2015 or, or so from the communities that we were in. And that was just what planted the seeds as you described it to say, like, there must be a way to do this that actually like in, in franchises and includes the creators. That's that's what makes these platforms valuable. And seeing SoundCloud's value be just decimated in the process of losing their community through a series of poor decisions. We felt designing Audius in this way and and making the users of Audius the kind of controllers and operators of Audius as well was the path towards being resilient to
0: these issues. Now, did you start with the artists? In other words, you first focused and built your product for the artists with the thesis that bring the artists and the fans will come? We did. Yeah.
1: In the early days, there was actually a time when the product was not uh, publicly accessible when it was very broken and early in kind of those alpha building phases we were just onboarding artists by hand one by one we'd sit with every artist we onboarded on like a zoom call and watch them use it and iterate on that but we've always been artist first i i think that philosophy has served us well so far and that if you can provide artists value they do have the ability to direct their fan base to to different places and if they feel fans on audius are more useful and valuable to them than fans on other platforms they they've been the source of all the growth that that we've had right um all of the folks working on it around audius and the whole ecosystem around audius has never spent money on paid user acquisition marketing etc it's all just been this word of mouth wow and
0: then artists bringing their fans along for the ride. That's terrific. And I had mentioned some of the numbers earlier that I found in some posts. Are you able to share where your numbers are now in terms of artists?
1: Yeah. So today we've got uh, about seven and a half million monthly listeners and uh, around uh, 250,000 artists. Actually, I think those numbers at at that time were low on the artist side from where they actually were. But uh, yeah, it's been a been a fun three four months here since,
0: since yeah that's just incredible growth also we do have a lot of founders that listen to this podcast as well and so maybe can you talk a little bit around how you as a business monetize and work with these artists in such a way where artists feel like they're benefiting the fans are benefiting. So can you spend some time talking about that?
1: Totally, yeah, and, and to your point, I think that was exactly the problem that the the first company I worked for I kind of ran into. Both inability to monetize, but also a, a sort of broken market dynamics. With Audius, we were a lot more thoughtful, I think, about how to approach whether there's a real business opportunity here. The way Audius has set up the network is monetizable and monetizes. But the company that built the first version of Audius is not the nexus by which that monetization happens. And actually the way that Audius is set up today, our company will never be able to make money. It is possible, but the community would have to vote to put some take rate in place that would be funneled to us that we actually, I I, I don't think it's something we would ever advocate for actually. So, uh, So let's talk about the network first, which is to say, When users are paying artists to consume things on, on Audius, 10% of every one of those payments gets routed to folks who are using staking the token. So if you run a node on Audius, if you're staking tokens to access features on Audius, if you're using the token to vote on governance decisions. So anything and everything about Audius that can be changed is actually controlled by this governance process. Even shipping new versions of the software that powers the network and things like that go through this governance process. But Hmm. all of those kind of anyone who's engaging in those areas with the token earns a percentage of the payment flow that happens across Audius. So that's pretty straightforward to understand. It scales with, uh, you know, if there's 10 times as much payment volume, that means 10 times as much value capture for uh, folks using the, the token. But the token is not our company. And that's like the key difference here, right? Our company's role in, in all of this is to build new features on and help maintain all of the open source software that powers the Audius network. But we're ultimately, uh, we serve at the pleasure of the community and and we sustain our work by asking the community for grants. So we ask Got the to vote to give us grant money out of the kind of treasury of funds that backs uh, Audius and that treasury came from when the network launched, there was a percentage of the token supply that was held back in this treasury that could be used. So yeah, it sounds really complicated, but it's it's really simple. I think when you think about it or or from a philosophical perspective, these are meant to be Common goods, right? The the things that we've built with Audius, the people that are using them to to their benefit, those are meant, uh, yeah, really meant to be in the hands of the people who use them. And any profit motive for a specific company or a specific set of individuals who have a privileged position over the network would ultimately lead to the same problems that SoundCloud and like Hmm. every other sort of uh, thing that's tried to build around this use case has, has fallen prey to.
0: Wow. So it is so decentralized from the perspective that you as the maintainer of this platform don't have a guaranteed revenue source. And to a large extent, almost like Wikipedia, right, where Look, if the users don't step up and provide a grant to you, then market dynamics will say, my God, I can't pay my rent. I can't pay for the servers anymore, so I'm going to shut this thing down. And people understand that. And they'll come to your rescue, per se, and, and pay you a fair price for your, essentially, services, which are, again, at the pleasure of the community.
1: Yeah, and I, I think the Wikipedia comparison is a good one. The the one difference being that I think where Wikipedia and so many other nonprofit kind of causes have, have had problems is that there's no common incentive layer for the people. Hmm. He and you and everyone else can go search whatever we want on Wikipedia, get this amazing value back from it, but there's not really an, a a way for that to capture value in in the way that things are, are set up today. Maybe there's a world they they start using advertising or some other means to to start to monetize from the angle of sustaining and supporting their work because this is a common good that we all benefit tremendously from, but it has this tragedy of the comments problem where no one, mm-hmm. no one feels sufficiently motivated to step up. In the case of Audius though, uh, because there is this revenue stream that the network is generating. There's a, a kind of express incentive among the folks who are benefiting from that revenue stream to see this sustain itself, support itself, be a going concern. But the check on the work that our company does, and there are a few other companies in in the audience ecosystem now that do this grant work, uh, you know, if we're doing a bad job, the community can vote to defund us if they want to. And, and that's their prerogative as you said we serve at the pleasure of the folks that that are voting to uh, to allocate funds to us and yes wow. it's an interesting dynamic
0: it is it's an interesting dynamic i'm not sure what my view on that is i mean it's it's a very brave scenario let me ask this question from an investor perspective well number 1 have you taken outside capital and then number 2 how do your investors feel about this? Maybe I'll get paid. Maybe I won't get paid sort of scenario. I mean, that's, I know, too, black and white. Yeah, I'd
1: love to hear your view. We made sure to keep incentives aligned on on that front as well, which is to say, like, we told investors from day one, so we have taken outside money from folks that you may know, like, General Catalyst, Kleiner Perkins, Lightspeed on the traditional investor side, and then a number of great uh, crypto native investors like Multicoin and Blockchain and Standard Crypto and Collaborative Fund and so on and so forth. So we've had great folks that come around the table with us. They were buying the token, though. They weren't buying ownership of a company. So their incentives were also aligned there. We said, hey, this company is Basically, a nonprofit, right? It's not formally in that status, but we're never going to generate revenue, and we don't ever plan to generate like meaningful revenue. This thing does capture value, though. This thing being the audience network, and you can you sure. participate in that,
0: and invariably, the value of the network will be priced accordingly in audio the currency.
1: Uh, yeah, there's a market for it, right? So I can't opine on how the market sure. decides what it does. But what we can do as the Audio's community and ecosystem is keep growing our user base and growing that
0: uh, payment volume flowing through. Got it. But Sandhill invested in audio, in the actual yes. currency, as opposed to buying shares in the company, which traditionally is what yeah. most investors do. Yeah.
1: Wow. So there were some mechanical things there, uh, especially for our first round in, in 2018, where folks weren't with double tokens directly, but that at least, that was the uh, intention behind their investment was even if it was done via some holdings vehicle, it was ultimately with the goal of holding and using the token. Got it.
0: Got it. Got it. So let's up level this for a second here and let's talk about Web3 macroscopically. And I know this is a bit of a softball because I'm sure you have a strong opinion. Is Web3 a fad? Is it here to stay? What's your view on that?
1: Yeah. And it actually, my opinion here may not be what you think. I think right now it is sort of that. I think there are real use cases that exist in this sphere serving real user needs. I'm obviously biased, but I think Audius is one of those. There's a a handful of others that I'm really excited about that the founders are are here for the right reasons and, and building for the right reasons. I think the term and the kind of This ecosystem is in vogue right now. The current market dynamic in uh, all public markets, crypto and equities and everything else, is hopefully going to lead to a cooling off of things, which will mean that people who are here for the right reasons and building for the right reasons will stick around and... uh, will wash out a lot of this uh, people building like X, but Web3, right? It's like pick your existing Web2 business and let's decentralize it, but not really have a clear reason for why it needs to be decentralized. I, I think we had a very strong thesis, the commons of music distribution that had an opportunity to build up a, a kind of monopoly position. The future had to be something that was a common good treated like a utility of of sorts. And that's what led to Audius being designed in the way that it was. Uh, Crypto was like the means to that end. It was the most straightforward way from a technological perspective to achieve that goal. I know that sounds extremely cynical, which I I guess it is to some extent, but the thing that gives me a lot of uh, hope is seeing how many users have come into uh, this whole ecosystem, not just Audius. But you know, even a products like MetaMask, I think now have over 10 million monthly, uh, uh, monthly users of, of the Chrome extension. There are a lot of real people here doing cool stuff. But you know, the last thing I'll say on this, I, I think is looking back in 10, 20 years, we'll talk about like Web3 or like NFTs or any of these sort of terms, the way that you would think of like HTTP or HTML from the 90s. They were enablers, but the technology itself wasn't what was interesting. It was Facebook, it Google, and Amazon and the things you could do with it that, that changed our lives.
0: Sure. It's what people did with the protocol that made and it Krip so the, powerful.
1: the same. I think uh, there will be a consolidated handful of really interesting use cases that could only be enabled by this that couldn't exist previously. We'll see.
0: You know, you're clearly on the forefront of innovation within the music segment. And on that note, I mean, what do you see? What is the one thing that the music industry you think should be focusing on going forward?
1: I think the music industry is caught in this transition. So I think we're not the only ones that have recognized that this direct engagement economy will be a meaningful source of revenue in the coming years and in the future. I think the industry recognizes that they're trying to figure out how they play in that world. We're in a world where fans engagement with recorded music is effectively valued at an all time low historically. It's being valued more than zero, which is good compared to like 2001 or 2000. Sure. But certainly compared to the era of CDs and you know, LPs and everything else. But even since 2010 or so, since the advent of streaming, This model of everyone paying a fixed amount per month for a continually growing amount of engagement means that like each individual engagement has a smaller and smaller amount of value. And uh, fans are more willing than ever to spend on experiences... And things that that let them be closer to and engage more closely with their favorite artists. The question is if the industry's economic model is built around the ownership of copyright being the nexus of monetization, I think the brand equity of the artist is actually where monetization will be happening in, in this next iteration of the music industry.
0: Fans want access. Period. Fans want access. They will pay for it. If there's a special experience that's unique, they will pay for that. And the artists could truly benefit. All right. So a couple quick questions that we always like to finish with. What was the first album that you purchased?
1: Oh, what a great question. It was uh, Enema of the State by Blink-182. I think I was like Whoa, okay. six or seven years old when that album came out. and Oh, a very great cool. Great album. What about... What about the first concert you attended? I think it was a uh, monkeys concert when I was like, whoa, okay. Five years old, but I do remember it. Yeah. It was, uh, my parents were just big monkeys fans and.
0: Wow. Okay. And then what about star struck moments that I mean, you must have interfaced with a lot of these amazing artists directly. Can you share any of those moments?
1: Probably the first time we met Joel Zimmerman or, or deadmau Mouse, I was like a huge fan of his music. He was one of our first advisors to come on to Audius. We got intro a few layers to, to get to him. And yeah, it was just wild to see. He was like, I feel like the reason I, I first started really enjoying what you could vaguely call electronic music broadly.
0: So you've had a chance to meet him and get feedback. He's an advisor to yeah. Audius or? Oh my gosh. Wow. How exciting. Well, good stuff. Ronil, thank you again for being on Voices Behind the Music, your views on decentralization in the music industry, your views on Web3, on tech. All this stuff is super fascinating. Can't wait to have you back on again. Oh,
1: thank you so much for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to Voices Behind the Music, a Growth Network podcast production presented by Feed Media Group. We're on a mission to make it easy, fast, and legal for businesses to use music to power the most engaging customer experiences. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get yours and learn more about us at feedmediagroup.com.